Hey everybody, Shane Presley here, Rock Paper Podcast. Thank you so much for checking out another brand new episode. Uh, hanging out today with my buddy Justice Lacewell of Justice and the Limits. Um, we had a lot of fun recording this one, talking about uh, some brand new music from him and the band, and uh, just a good catch up. We haven't talked in quite a while, so... We, uh, we took a little deep dive in catching up. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. And uh, as always, I want to remind you that Rock Paper Podcast is brought to you by Friendship Brewing Company in Wentzville, Missouri. Serving up all your craft beer needs. Over 25 rotating taps out there. Come out and uh, enjoy some of their delicious beverages. Uh, you can get... Uh, some dinner while you're there, all kinds of burgers and nachos, flatbread pizzas, pretzels and salads, and uh, all kinds of tasty eats. And uh, you can get some great live music uh, on uh, Thursday nights. They've been doing this uh, single bingo. So on Thursday, January 12th, single bingo, classic rock night. On January 13th, Friday night, James Bertles. And January 14th, Saturday night, Jeff Waltschauser will be there. Uh, you can Again, you can find their full beer menu, concert calendar, and food menu, and everything else at FriendshipBrewingCompany.com. Uh, be sure to plug in with them on Facebook and Instagram for more info. And uh, great news, if you are in the Hannibal, Missouri area, they are coming to you, opening a brand new Friendship Brewing location in Hannibal, Missouri in 2023. So keep an eye out for more info about that. And uh, of course, if you need me, you can always find me at rockpaperpodcast.com. Hit me up on the socials. Email me at rockpaperpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you all. And uh, I said it earlier, but thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with me. I appreciate you all. Uh, whether this is your first time or you've been here for a long time, it really means the world to me. Uh, I have your continued support. So thanks again. And uh, with that out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy this brand new episode. With Justice Lacewell. Um, podcast is kind of like a... It's like a radio show that's not on the radio. It's on It's on the internet. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's also like my mom. Uh, it makes it sound more confusing, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds like this. Hey, this is Justice Lacewell from Justice and the Limits, and I'm on Rock Paper Podcast, back again with the man, Mr. Shane, coming at you live and direct. Rock paper podcast. Scissors beat paper, paper covers rock. Rock beat scissors, Shane covers nonstop. Never know what new kind of guests that he's got coming at you. Live and direct on the spot could be rock, folk, country, or hip hop, jazz. All kind of folks that he has could be an artist or a comedian to make you laugh on the rock paper podcast. Double decker fudge round rolling round town. Shane coming at you live and direct from ground zero. He's your hero. He's your bestie. Rock paper podcast with Shane Presley. Rock paper podcast.
Hey, everybody. Shane Presley here. Rock Paper Podcast. Hanging out on Zoom with Justice Lacewell. Welcome back to the show, man. What's up, man? Been too long. Yeah, uh, way too long. I, uh, <laughs> excuse me. I, uh, uh, it was just funny that we've been talking all this time and I was fine. And then as soon as I hit record, then I, uh, I started. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. always like that. Uh, but, uh, we, uh, man, I was thinking, so I looked it up. Uh, that was, uh, August 2017. You last appeared on the show. Yeah. And, uh, uh you uh in the band rolled through town uh we recorded he- here at my home and uh in st louis and uh i don't know we just we uh that was like the fir- that was the first we met i think we've you know been talking a little bit online but mm-hmm. um that was uh we just became fast friends that day and we've yeah. kept in touch uh but uh unfortunately that was uh the last time i really uh got to see you you know we uh um a lot of um, lot has gone down between two. Well, yeah, now, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so that's what's cool about this, man. Just having this opportunity to catch up and hang, and uh, we got a lot to talk about um, with you and the band. And uh, I guess uh, uh, let's kind of let's start because I I not really got your take on it. But uh, since we last spoke, uh, you guys did a whole name change and everything too. So, um, so now the band is justice and the limits. Yeah. And, uh, you guys used to be formerly known as Rastasaurus, which, uh, um, was what we, you know, the project we talked about, but it's still, I guess, uh, all the, all the same guys, just, uh, just new name, right? Yep. Yeah. It's all the same guys, you know, COVID kind of gave us an opportunity. We had a, like a lot of time off for the first time, you know, and we've been wanting to change the name for a while, but there just wasn't an opportunity because we were booked so solid the whole time that it was going to be the, the big fear was, is that, you know, we were going to lose, you know, fan base by doing that. Cause now they won't know who they are and everybody's expecting this band. And we had gigs booked, you know, six months ahead of time, but COVID was like this big, big eraser came through your schedule for you and um, a great reset had a great reset (laughs) it was a good opportunity for us to actually do that and you know rastasaurus was great but um it kind of pigeonholed us into people with just assuming we were a straight reggae band and we play a lot of like classic rock feels a lot of jam rock and um we're not just straight reggae and, um, you know, we were kind of getting some flack from some people that were saying we were being disrespectful, but it was really just kind of the hanger ons that were giving us that flack. The actual reggae bands that came through town loved playing with us and like Steel Pulse, the Whalers, all those dudes were like co- completely fine with the name. But, you know, as, as always is the case, the periphery of the scene that wants to be heard more will start talking really loud about things. And so that was, that was always a bore to have to just be like, listen, do, do you think I'm singing with a fake Jamaican accent? No, I'm just trying to play music and this is my band name. Right. So, um, so there was that going on. And then, you know, it was kind of like a name that, you know, I always describe it as like the only people that complained when we changed the band name that thought Rastasaurus was the great name was my 12 year old nephews and stream elderly parts of our fan base. You know, it was a, it was a name that was very cute. And it's like, that's not what you're really wanting to go for. You know, started that band when we were 23, I was 23. The twins were like 21, but, um, 
yeah, that was a good name then, but we kind of outgrown it and we needed to take it to kind of the modern era and um, kind of make it more able to kind of cross a lot of different genres without any kind of, you know, uh, an eye askance or anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was good too. And then as my personal career progresses, you know, I realize that, you know, we're all getting older and everything. And eventually, you know, as the songwriter and singer, eventually, you know, I will have to kind of go my own way as, as the rest of the band makes families and moves out of state or whatever, you know, I saw that future coming cause I'm 36, you know, who knows when that will happen, but it will allow me to never have to rebrand again. It'll right. be justice into something. So it's not like I have to start over that traction. Now it's justice into something and it could just be justice lace flow into something, something later, you know, but it's still under that same flag and it's still going to be able to be easily associated with it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was just time. And, um, we had like a whole, you know, we had a whole process, you know, our band is, our band is very, um, kind of scholarly minded Mizzou kids and, and Connecticut kids. And, uh, we had a whole spreadsheet situation going with these band names and everybody had a column and X's on it and all this stuff. And we went through this, this glossary of, uh, recording studio terms and, um, you know, and it was like justice and the compressors, I think justice and the kicks was another one, like, like kicks the shoes. Um, and then justice and the limiters justice. So we went through all this recording software and, uh, glossary, and, um, you know, the limits kind of came out of that from limiters, but justice and the limits. Yeah, man. And then ironically, we got a very hot, possibly drunken Instagram message from Rick Levy of the box tops. And he really wanted us to know he was Rick Levy of the box tops. Cause he put box tops in all caps <laughs> and he was like, and they did that song, uh, ain't got no time for a fast train. I'm a coming home. So that was back in the day. So this guy hits us up on Instagram and he's like, hi, Rick Levy here from the box tops. And, uh, just want to let you know, I've had the limits under copyright 1966. So hope you can find a new moniker. Bye. And then he sent us this like super old, like old dude email from like a Comcast account or something, you know, and, right. and, uh, reiterating the same thing. And so I called a lawyer up and he was like, yeah, he's not even registered with the trademark on that or anything. And, um, but it was funny if that guy only knew how much I loved that song when I was like 12 years old and would sing it at the top of my lungs. Yeah. And now he's like, you know, bitching at me about this band name. It was, uh, <laughs> it was surreal and hilarious and just kind of like, oh, oh, come on, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. Time, like this dude yeah it was funny it was just like a slice yeah slice into his mind almost but so that was that was funny that was uh but uh as you always say you know if you got haters at least somebody's listening so. yeah right yeah at least uh, you get you got his attention you know <laughs> right that's yeah. like the fetty wop thing like we ain't got haters we just call them fans you know right. so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, so justice in the limits we call it jattle for short but it's been going strong for year and a half now or so. And it's been really refreshing, like a new brand, new logos. And, um, like I said, it's not hemming us in to anything. Um, I feel like it's, it's made it a little more difficult in the local Denver scene to reiterate that we are a reggae band. Cause I think some venues kind of assume we're a different band, but it's the same members. It's just the same material. It's just a different, um, different face, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, like you're saying about the songwriter thing. I mean, we saw like, um, you know, Jason Isabel was like uh, the 400 unit and like 
now he just goes by his name and he still yeah. has he still has the 400 unit there but it's like but now he's just branded as his own name and uh you see a lot of that kind of stuff like um you know where where it's, it makes it easier for branding wise and uh you know and everything else like so i do think uh maybe that was a, that was a good move there and yeah it's a, it's a, there's a palpable difference between the yeah the bands that have a, like a songwriter that brings like a skeleton of a song right. to the band and they arrange it or the band like you know like a lot of jam bands that'll sit in a room and write together you know and so I think it's you know it's just like it happened with all kinds of songwriters in the past like Jason Isbell like Paul Simon was the one I always describe you know right. he, or like um yeah like Graham Parsons and the Birds you know and then like all of a sudden he's just Graham Parsons you know because right. like but that. If you if you have those the songwriter kind of format where there's a guy with a guitar sitting on a couch writing songs and then you you flesh those songs out of practice as opposed to everybody sitting in a room writing the whole thing together, then um, yeah I think it's a very logical thing eventually that always happens with the songwriters that they kind of like um, after the band disbands or whatever happens you know they'll remarket Bob Marley and the Wailers Lionel Richie did it with I believe it was the Commodores. Uh, mm -hmm. Curtis Mayfield did it with the impressions and um, just kind of happens, you know, yeah. and then it, and then, yeah, you, then you don't ever have to, to rebrand that again. Yeah. You're right. Towards the, the top then. I went through a lot of that kind of uh, discussion to like, even naming this show and stuff. Like, like I was, uh, you know, I never really wanted it to be like the Shane Presley show or, yeah. or the St. Louis music podcast or, yeah. something like that i didn't because uh, again you don't want to ever like be kind of this one lane you want to be able to you know i expand and do other stuff so i i get kind of getting away from the uh the rasta you know yeah. reg yeah. strictly reggae kind of influences and stuff like you guys like to do a lot of different stuff so now you yeah. can now you don't have to worry about uh, people thinking you're only a, you know one thing well and it's it's also hard to do too if you're like if you naturally like, of course, as performers, we all like to hear ourselves talk, but if you naturally don't like to be seen as like, oh, he's like, oh, he's so full of himself. It's justice and the limits, you know, like, like it was really hard for me to be like, well, let's put this under my name as much as I wanted to. It just seems like arrogant, you know, and it was like really hard for me to, to accept that I, 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 I wanted to do that, but it was hard for me because I thought it looked kind of cheesy for a long time, you know, and it's like, I don't know, you just kind of have to nut out, like step out there on the, on the diving board a little bit. But um, ultimately I think now, and with the feedback we've gotten from it, it was a, it was a good decision. Yeah. I put it off for a long time. Like um, I had people uh, suggesting like you should, I never like wanted me like I, I am the host of the show, but I never wanted to be about me. I wanted to be about the music kind of thing and uh it's just how i approached uh, doing this and stuff but i was like i had people like hey you should put your uh face on a shirt and stuff and i'm like nah i'm not gonna do that and like you know and and then uh and then i put my face on a shirt and became my biggest uh selling shirt and stuff yeah. and uh i put Great my face i also put my face on a shirt uh in a little debbie outfit and uh and i sold a ton of those and stuff so people may so maybe there is something to it uh you know like uh actually kind of yeah. go, going against the what i think is right and you know taking a shot and yeah. um, so i get uh i totally relate to that 
Well, speaking of the shirts, now the the real Achilles heel of putting your name on a band is now I can't wear that shirt because <laughs> I have name on it, and then I just look like those sixth graders on South Park that have their own faces on their shirts. You know, <laughs> oh, <right>. yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh my god, I I got one. I was like, well, I'll never wear that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do it. Can't yeah. be that. Good. <laughs> yeah, I I have them, but I hardly ever uh, you know wear any of my shirt my own shirts out. Just. Uh, you know, I love seeing them, but I, I am, I'm with you. I'm not really the type to wear my, my own shirt out. Yeah. I like those shirts. I wear it all the time though. Yeah. 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 Uh, you said that's how this all started. You, uh, you, you yeah. put it on, you're like, Oh, I need to, I need to hit them up. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad it's uh, working still. Yeah. Still got one little hole in it, but you know, <laughs> with my track record on things, that's doing pretty good. It's still yeah. pretty pristine. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll get you a fresh one here soon. I like that one you put up on the internet a couple of years ago. You had you were doing some more colors, and it was like the Mardi Gras purple and yellow colors. Yeah, That's sharp colors there, man. Yeah, I got tried a bunch of different, you know, different uh, <coughs> colors and patterns, and what you know, just to try to see what sticks, and and uh, it's just fun. I mean, to to play with it, uh, you know, different different things, and see what see what people respond to. Yeah, you never know, man. You never right. know what the merch people buy is. Yeah, yeah. right. But uh, so we got uh, uh, everything switched over now. Like I said, it's been a, a couple, a year and a half or so. And uh, but uh, you guys are uh, busy recording. We got uh, some brand new music. We have a uh, one that just uh, released a couple of weeks ago, I guess, uh, called Fear. Yeah. And uh, you were, uh, we kind of, you know, we had a nice time catching up before we hit record, but you were telling me that uh, this is a first for you guys, right? This is like all first, first one all in house. Yep. First one all in house with the full band playing on it. We had had a, um, we had a single we dropped before Hot RX that I had played almost all the parts on and kind of self produced and had used like a drum loop that I had like purchased, you know, the rights to. Yes, I'm feeling high, high, hot around the collar, my skin it burns, right on through, and from the top, top, yeah, to the bottom of my dollar, tell me doctor, what am I to do? And I started seeing, and I started feeling 
guess I'm feeling hot, hot Hot around the collar My skin it burns Right on through And from the top, top, yeah To the bottom of my dollar Tell me doctor What am I to do? one where we went to the studio and got the raw tracks on the drums because it's really i can't you know record drums in this bedroom and um so got the raw tracks on the drums and the bass and then got those as uh wave files and then recorded everything else I got eric's guitar solos recorded right here the guitars and the vocals were recorded right here and um but it's our first foray you know we we've been really struggling with releasing music because it's so expensive as kind of like a JV type of band to release music. If you don't have all this income coming in, $50 an hour, $30 an hour, that just to turn knobs, that gets expensive really quick. Like the tracking is necessary, but the mixing time on that is where you really start eating up some time. And, you know, unfortunately you find yourself saying things are good enough. That's good enough. We have to move on, you know, and I always really hated that because like you only release these songs once. And if it's, just good enough. You're going to hear that as an artist the rest of your life and be like, oh, you know, and so this was the first time and I purchased some like uh, analog uh, style um, or actual analog hardware gear from the Swedish company called uh, Golden Age uh, Project. And they basically take 60s and 70s studio analog recording gear and they break it down, clone it, and reissue it with as close to the original components as they can at fractions of the cost. And so you can get a really nice, like, 
pretty much full studio setup through them and um for mixing and so uh yeah that was really liberating because now i can sit in there and turn those knobs as much as i want to turn them and get everything just right and it really allowed us to really um, flesh these songs out and uh the whole band was able to just kind of adapt to this new method and the best thing about it is you can save so much money doing it yourself if you're able to get the product that you want that it then frees up money for other things like merch, van, van repairs, you know, like all this other things you didn't have money for before advertising on social media. And so it really allows you to kind of move that money around and use it, wield it more effectively while getting a better musical product out of it. And so, um, yeah, it was really, it was really liberating to do that. And then we just had to send it off to mastering our buddy, uh, Josh Fairman, um, Poison Sun Squabby is a bass player, uh, also an engineer at Scanhope Sound. He mastered it, bumped it right back over. And yeah, but it's been really, really amazing. And, uh, it was a, it was a process to learn how to mix, you know, especially with using plugins and stuff. I didn't really like using audio plugins. I don't, I, I'm very, I like old cars. I like old guitars. Yeah. I like knobs that turn, you know? And so, um, I'd been hanging out with this group called the autos. That is a production crew here in Denver that makes uh, beats for Jamaican musicians and they're on easy star. And, um, I was hanging out and Ian, um, former Tatanka guitar player, was doing all this production and I started like kind of picking his brain and seeing what he was doing. And, you know, it was, I'm very thankful to that experience because it allowed me to see that I was able to do it. Like these guys are doing it right here. I can do that too. And so I got into and really knuckled down and it was like a hard, like, you know, three or four months where I really learned how the gear works and learned all the ins and outs of the, the, you know, DAW and everything. And at the end of it, came out with this wonderful set of gear and all this analog stuff, getting the hardware analog sounds that I really enjoy because I love listening to old music and being able to do it all myself for basically zero money and releasing a product that I feel is the best product we've ever released as a band. And so um, it, it was hard, but it was so fulfilling and, yeah. um, and really proud of the dudes too. We just came over here and knuckled down, you know, got Sam Niehaus sitting in here right next to me with the headphones on while Eric's ripping guitar solos out there. And we're talking about things we're hearing on the track and get him in here. And it's like, Sam, how did your drums sound? You know, he was like, we want to mix his drums a little different. I got some notes and we come in here and it was really cool to hear how a drummer thinks about how his drums sound. You know, he's like, I want to hear my snare. Like it's right here, like right where it's at when I play it, you know, and figuring out what that means because you always have to translate from any other person of what the words coming out of their mouth actually means in their brain you know right. so and that's that's a disconnect with a lot of people playing to get music together it's like you just have to learn how to communicate and like the word that someone uses for a sound might be like sloggy or something and you're like what it's not even a word what, what does that mean you know <laughs> like so um but it was really yeah it was really uh eye-opening and uh liberating and it's been really quite amazing um yeah getting a really good product and then um yeah mark uh our bass player did the graphic design on the cover so we did that in house too and it all kind of just came together and so um we have three or four more singles that are in the process you know like this one has missing guitar solos but has rhythm guitars needs the vocals needs the drums mixed okay this one has everything but the hammond organs this one has you know and so one by one we can just sort of keep popping these out because 
the the modern musician release game is content. Like singles are almost more valuable than a concept album, right. unless you're King Gizzard and you're like putting out like twelve albums a year or something. Yeah. Like the singles and ensures you just have content, you know, which is same with a podcast being seen on social media as like a new content, new content. It keeps it looking like you're pertinent, you know? And so, sure. um, so yeah, it's been really, uh, quite a process and it's been really fun and, and I'm really happy with how it's been working out and the single fear really, I felt like came together. You know, we had our old keyboard player, Ryan from California, send us keyboard tracks and I was able to mix those in and, um, it's really cool to the, the, the internet home studio recording technology being so available and, um, us being able to communicate so readily over email and share files has really made it this like whole kind of like friends club recording process where you're like, I know a guy that can play bitching guitar in New York, best slide player, you know, you know, like, well, get him in here and you send him the track and send it back, you know? So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, man quite a process but it worked out yeah yeah i got a uh buddy uh anthony russo he's uh doing more country music uh but he um he just recorded a track and um i forget the guy's blinking on his name now um but like i mean the guy's a, a shredder on guitar plays played on all kinds of like your favorite '90s country songs or whatever you know uh, plays hot, you know lead on all these songs and, uh, but he was like, I found out he could just um, hire him to do a, uh, a studio session to lay down some leads on his uh, track and and Venmo him and he you know did it all from his studio and it like it turned out great and it's just like it's just cool that we have uh, you know these especially uh, that he also did that during you know, uh, pandemic and everything. So everybody was just sitting at home. So it was good. Uh, you know, it was, people were more accessible than ever, you know, they were just stuck at home with nothing to do. So. Yeah. Pandemic definitely made home studios better. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, I, uh, anyway, I just think that's like you're saying, it's cool that you can just kind of reach out, have an idea and you can reach out to friends across the country to, 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 you know, deliver for you. As long as they can give a clean signal, because that's really the game. If you can get a clean, high quality audio signal, you can affect it all you want. You know, I can run it through this gear and put it through the compressor and EQ it, run it, put a little reverb on it, you know, but as long as that clean signal is there with no pops or hisses and it's not clipping, then you can turn it into a, a track that sounds as good as any recorded studio track, you know, as long as the signal is high quality and clean. That's just the game. As long as you can provide that, you can record in the modern era. Yeah, man. Well, tell me uh, a little bit about Fear. Uh, this is, uh, you know, it's a funky track, man. It sounds really good. I love the way, uh, mentioning the keys, I love the way uh, it kind of starts with the the piano tones yeah. and then switches um, and stuff. Like, I, I thought that was really cool and uh, real tasty guitar solo in there and stuff. So, um, Thanks, man. This is really a fun track, man.
intro i wasn't expecting that at all ryan sent me those tracks and i like load them up you know and, and i'm like what do we got you know and so and uh that piano i was like oh <laughs> oh snap yeah. you know so uh it was fun and that was cool too because you can cut parts out of the whole track they're all at the right tempo you can cut parts out of them and like okay i want to use this organ part that he thought was going to be at the end but it sounds really good in the second verse you can move that around you know and all this stuff but um but yeah fear is pretty good i wrote the song been playing it for a little while now. I wrote it. I was at a at a time in my life where um, I was kind of struggling with uh, being a musician and kind of sacrificing, um, you know, a career and a job and all this stuff, which I thought I needed. You know, like it was like I was having a hard time making ends meet because I was spending all my money playing music and going to shows to be seen in the scene, and I wasn't making a lot of money at working hourly at what I was working, and it was kind of there was a big impasse there. Like before I started my landscaping business, there was like a big impasse mentally. It was like almost like a block that was like, how do you make this 
work? Like, how do you get out from under this? How can you be a musician? How can you, you know, reconcile all these schedules? And it was, uh, yeah. So the song I think has a, is a lot about that. And then it kind of falls, songs kind of fall into place and make their own meanings a lot. And looking back at it, I didn't realize as much when I was writing, but looking back at it, it's a perfect uh, synopsis of that feeling where it's like, yeah, you, you are afraid to kind of step outside your box, but you got to step outside your box and be uncomfortable in order to reach a higher like plateau or in order to reach, you know, and to, to the level you want to get to. But it's like with all, with all things, especially with all kind of um, decisions like that, like a, my life philosophy is like, you got to take risk, but they got to be calculated risk, but there's always a little risk before you can, you know, get upward you know there's a little risk to take yeah. and it's kind of like uh being on top of that cliff at the river when you're a kid and deciding to jump off of it you know but yeah you know, so the fear kind of kind of resonates about that you know and it's like you got to step out you know from the light you know you gotta you gotta you gotta get out there into your outside your comfort zone you know and the the couldn't i couldn't do it i couldn't see it couldn't believe that was really uh kind of verbatim the the thought in my mind there but yeah track came out great eric's guitar solos are great he gets like a the second half guitar solo is really nice and proggy and it kind of showcases a little bit more of our little edgier rock kind of feel and um yeah the guys played excellent on it really great playing and um really great tones the drums were recorded at um uh soco sound studios in pueblo with mark leblanc he's a drummer himself so recording drums with a guy that plays drums as the engineer for the drums, you're, you're getting a good setup there. Right. You know, it's like, it's like having a vocalist mix your vocals, you know, but, um, so yeah, I got those raw tracks from him and yeah, it all came together, but, um, yeah, great playing all around and the band really came together and we've all really been enjoying the, um, the new style of us being able to just put out more music because we're doing it ourselves and being able to really focus on the, the nuts and bolts. Yeah, man. Well, you, uh, you guys, uh, have a couple of, um, dates in the, uh, in Colorado there, uh, coming up, uh, like, and you can get involved on, uh, the socials, uh, find yeah. all the details about those on, uh, your Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And, but, uh, you said possibly, uh, gearing up for a little run, a little tour. Yep. Yeah. We got a couple of dates. Uh, we're playing, tonight actually with uh, Sam LaFalce who was on our episode with Rossasaurus as our bass player yeah. subbing in tonight, which is nice. It's a real treat to play with Sammy. And um, yeah, I've been playing that. And then a new year's Eve bash where we kind of put a super group together and it's not justice in the limits, but it's like three quarters of us and another member or two of another band. And then, uh, yeah, we have been working with Steph at Siren Sound Music and her and uh, she books for um, us and our buddies, Ghost Wave who um, is another local kind of reggae, a little more hip hop leaning band. And we are trying to set up a tour in February for two to three weeks. We're going through the whole South down through Florida and uh, I think we might be coming through St. Louis and um, even on the way there, the way back, you know, maybe try to hit that and like Rose music hall in Columbia, which is me and Sam Niehaus's old stomping grounds from our Mizzou days. When we yeah. Get down underground, but the, um, so, uh, yeah, trying to do that. And, um, it's going to be kind of a unique tour because, um, it's always, you know, with everybody's work schedules and stuff, sometimes it's hard for people to take off, you know, that 
and um, which is one of the really the main reasons why I really like working for myself is it frees me up to just yeah. be like, yeah, boss said it's cool, you know, because I'm, <laughs> yeah. So, right. but uh, but so yeah, we're gonna try to do uh, where our band will lend Sam on the drums to the other band, and they'll lend their bass player to us, and then I'll play backing guitar on Nick's Ghost Wave set, and he'll play it on ours, and you know, harmonize for each person, and we'll be able to have two bands cover shows two shows at the, at the venue, two different bands in one van with four dudes yeah. and be able to just, you know, have a big dirty road trip and, uh, have go. a lot of fun. Yeah. And so, and, and van life's always fun too. It's, it's always, you know, when you really get along great with people, it's not like a chore to travel, you know, everybody's in there just like goofing around and cutting right. up and it's just fun. Yeah. It's just really freaking fun. I think the last time we recorded with you, we can, barely hear anything we said because we're just laughing so hard the whole time oh, yeah. <laughs> we're just having such a good freaking time man yeah good yeah. yeah that was a fun day i'm really uh and i'm really glad that we um met and became friends and everything so yeah. it's cool uh that uh music bringing us together yeah and it'd be cool we come back and play at the bootleg after that you know and it'd yeah. be like oh there's shane man what's yeah. up you know? like yeah, yeah that's cool what uh what's so speaking of the van tour life uh do you have a um a, like a go-to snack do you do you have uh what's your uh like favorite road snack well for me i'm i can't eat dairy I'm okay allergic, i'm allergic to cow's milk it's not like a lactose thing i'm just actually allergic to it and so it limits your options of uh gas station to fare immensely but um Let's see here. Road snack. I like uh, the the peanut butter filled pretzels. There you go. Love those, you know, you can get those. And uh, yeah, those are instant fuel. You know, I think I think we've all uh, I think we've all eaten so many cliff bars. We're sick of them. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, hold on a second. Let me plug this thing. It's beeping at me here. And um, so yeah, road snack. Um, sometimes, I mean, you drink a lot more Red Bull on the road than you ever right. would, you know, um, find a good coffee in the morning. I think the big move though is to have a cooler in there and then to make sandwiches, you know, oh, yeah. then you just like stock up with like good quality lunch meats and stuff and like actually like have a, some cut red onion or something in there and make some proper sandwiches because after a couple of days of eating from a gas station, it's like you're eating styrofoam or something. You're not really getting through, uh, yeah true uh true nutrition there but um in the words of sam kneehouse um who's a big proponent of the fritos because uh they have so much more in the bag than <laughs> right. chips, which i always liked i was like that's a good way to buy chips right there you know All right but um yeah doing that in uh chipotle i used to work at a chipotle in college um for four years i was a manager and everything and i still eat chipotle and yeah. i know everything that's in the food because i used to work there and it's really good, really quick, um, proper food that's actual rice and beans and actual vegetables right. for you to be able to um, get a hold of, you know. And back in the day, I don't know if they still do it, but Chipotle used to – you could go and kind of sweet talk the manager and they, they'd have um, free burrito bucks for, for bands. It was oh, like nice. one of the yeah. So always sorting those out. But uh, yeah. I had, a, I had a buddy, Steve, used to, uh, used to work at Papa John's. And, um, and 
<laughs> one time we were uh, in Chicago or something like that, and uh, and he went into the store, and obviously being manager forever, he like kind of knew the right things to say, and uh, he he's like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm transferring, and I start Monday. Um, I was wondering if I could get a pizza. And they're like, yeah, okay. And then uh, so, like he made his own pizza, and like we walked out, and like, and uh, I, so I mean, uh, you know, technically it might be uh, stealing, but it was also uh, a pretty pretty genius move, though. Yeah. Hey, they said, hey, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh. But yeah, it's always a challenge to find proper nutrition when you're running and gunning on the road like that. Um, it's uh, for me, it's like I can't sleep in vehicles, but like it's kind of a catch twenty two where I have to have sleep in order to sing because my throat won't work if it's not rested. Right. So it's always difficult for me to, to catch up on sleep because I, I, I have a really active mind. It's really hard for me to sleep in vehicles. It's like my sense of like self-determination and fatalism won't let me close my eyes, you know, yeah. like, but, uh, but yeah, so that is, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, about the tour snack rundown, but the, the peanut butter pretzel pockets are, that's good, solid food. Yeah. Man, I went to, uh, we were just on a, a run to, uh, uh, we went to this like HEV park outside of, uh, like Knoxville area, Tennessee. And, um, we went, we stopped at, uh, my favorite, uh, gas station along the way, we went to Bucky's. Um, and, uh, then we, uh, I don't know, the place is, you're familiar with Bucky's? You ever go there? Uh, like oh. a Casey's or something? What's that? Is it like a Casey's? Uh like Casey's times a ten or so. Like it, it's like one of the biggest, most ridiculous gas stations around. Like there's like a hundred pumps. Oh boy! Uh, and uh, the store itself is like, you know, uh, full on grocery store. You know, kind of thing. There's all sorts of uh, different uh, options, and then they have like. Um, but it got me because like, you know, we rolled in like five 30 in the morning and there was a guy, they have like this big counter in the middle and they're like, you know, with a chopping block and they're cutting up uh, fresh brisket. And oh, he's yeah. like, you know, and he's like, we got fresh brisket on the block. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> and it just made me laugh that it's like, you know, five 30 in the morning and they got fresh barbecue ready to go for you. So, but man, as a trucker, man, that'd be the move right there. Go ahead nice and late and still have fresh barbecue. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So I scored some, uh, I didn't get the brisket, but I did get some, some, uh, hot, fresh tater tots and cause I was, I was wanting some breakfast stuff. So I was like, when, uh, I think I got a, just a, a burrito yeah. and, uh, but, uh, but now, no, yeah, they got a whole like line of merch. Uh, everything's like got this little beaver logo, uh, the, the Bucky's character. And so they have like, you know, literally anything you could imagine with a, you know, Bucky's logo on it. So, yep. I think the last time we came through, um, cause the twins are both from Connecticut and, um, from way up in the Northeast there. And, uh, I don't think they had a lot of access to steak and shake. Okay. And so when we came through Missouri and like Indiana, we were eating steak and shake like crazy, you know, uh, it was like, cause they were like, what is this place? Like patty milk? What's that? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, there was a lot of that, but, um, yeah, that they're kind of hard to find around here now, man. They, a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, some I think they they still have that one out in Eureka there by Six Flags. Uh maybe. I I don't go that way a whole lot, so I'm not positive, but uh 
they uh i don't know i think like the whoever owns like a lot of the st louis ones like kind of went up and so a lot of the uh you know quite a few of the local steak and shakes have closed up so yeah well let's speak about that brisket though that was that was something i really miss about missouri it's just like quality barbecue you know because yeah. like there's so many people that think barbecue is just barbecue. They don't even understand there's different styles of barbecue, oh, yeah. all this stuff. And we had barbecue at our wedding, which um, shout out to Al Holiday stepping in. He officiated our wedding for wow, us. Very cool. Which was freaking awesome. The officiator wasn't awesome. She got COVID before, so she couldn't come. And I was like, we had like 140 people there or something. And I was like, which one of my friends can handle his shit in front of 40 people? Al Holiday. All right. Yeah. Get out. Yeah, and he he was graciously did it and did an amazing job and there's some great pictures. But a, um, that guy's just the best. He's one of the just one of the coolest. Yeah, he, just incredible. He uh, I don't know. Anytime I get a chance, I, I try to I brag about him. I mean, he's let alone an incredible musician, but uh, you know, just huge heart, man. He was. Um, oh yeah. I I don't know. I I mean, I talk about it a lot on this show, but my my mom got sick and. Uh, in 2019 and uh it was diagnosed with a brain cancer and he came to the hospital and played for her played some so- songs for her it's a big move man yeah i yeah. thought that was uh super cool and then he, he also played her funeral and wow. uh you know so it was like uh, uh you know she was a huge fan of his and like and that was it was just really uh a, a sweet moment you know like and uh it just forever uh you know i'm in in gratitude uh to, yeah. towards that man so he's uh well sorry um, to hear that shane that's that's yeah it was never, tough man yeah never easy yeah so i uh and then um you know we did a big old benefit uh for mom and al played and like so i mean like i owe so much to him and i really uh i'm, I'm thankful to have a, a great friend like that so it's cool to hear that he uh stepped up when when you were in need to yeah yeah he he has always come through and it's always um been just like totally gracious and offers to like play with us when we're in town you know and it's always great to see him and the first time i ever met al was in college and he was dating a girl that lived in our apartment complex that i lived in and we had a big sloping driveway out there and he was out there in this little hot rotted red honda civic in the parking lot and it was stuck on the ice or whatever. And so I just, you know, country boy, you just go, go push some cars, you know? And so, uh, I go out there and, uh, push this car with Al and then, uh, we just started hanging out and it was like, I'm right on dude. It was like, what's up? He's like, how you doing? I'm Al, man. You know, but like, uh, yeah, boy, boy, how the times have changed. That must've been like 2006 or seven or something right? back in the day. But yeah, amazing dude, incredible human and um, incredible musician, but he's, he has that gift of gab. You can just sit there and talk with him about anything forever. Oh, yeah. you know, such a great gift to have, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if we, we might've touched on it uh, in your previous appearance, but uh, I know, like you said, you mentioning um, having ties to uh, Mizzou and, uh, in the area, but I, uh, so you, you didn't uh, grow, did you grow up here or did you, uh, you moved here or did you come here first school? So I was born, actual born in the town of Eminence, Missouri. Okay. On a farm. Uh, my, my parents were kind of like the hippies that hit the woods real hard, kind of back to nature. And so, I mean, Eminence is really small. It was like 550 people when I grew up there and they were all, you know, third cousins or whatever. They're all kind of related down there because it's just a small area. And then here we are, you know, the hippie kids moving in with no TV. <laughs> 
microwave, you know, and like didn't go to church or nothing, you know, it was, uh, we stuck out like a sore thumb, but, um, but yeah, so I grew up down there, uh, graduated from Eminence R1 high school, um, in 2005 and I'm the baby in my family. I have an older brother and an older sister. And so my brother had gone to Mizzou in 93 or so and my sister had gone to SEMO. And so and my dad had um, got a master's in social work from SEMO back in the day. But the, um, so I went to Mizzou and that's where I ended up meeting Sam. I ended up just kind of starting writing music. My, my dad got sick and passed away when I was 21. And um, it was like a long thing that happened, but it's still, you don't realize things like that. You don't realize how things affect you like that until you can years in the future, look back at the things you're doing the way you were acting and why you were doing that. You thought you were handling it fine in my case. And I was just like, man, my boy, I was, I just like flailing in, in space and time there. But, um, something that came out of that was I just kind of like, I had a laptop go down and lost all my music and I'd stopped playing guitar for like a good year and a half. And so I forgot all the covers I knew. And so when I picked it back up, I just started writing songs. And, you know, of course, with everything going on in my life at the point, a lot of my early songs are incredibly morbid. But, um, yeah, I just started writing music. And then I started playing at the Blue Fugue in Columbia, uh, open mic nights with my acoustic and everybody was like, dude, these songs rock. You got to get a band. So I ended up, you know, through like, you know, kind of like STL punk page. It was like Como music, you yeah. know, it was, it was, it was, I started, um, kind of accumulating musicians into the orbit and, um, ended up meeting Sam who was drumming for real foot at the time. And, um, through our, um, uh, guitar player, Patrick Smith, um, who now lives in new Orleans, plays a couple groups, used to play with a group called greasy Alice. And, um, so yeah, we just kind of got the band together. And then after I graduated, I was a little older. I graduated first and I decided I just need to f find a bigger market for it to try to try to take this thing to, to something and move to Denver. But yeah, I went to born and raised Eminence, Missouri and uh, down in the Jack's Fork river, went to swag stock. I've been to probably like 17, 18 swag stocks. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Cause it was like 10 miles North of my town. Swag stock honestly changed my life which is a, a kind of a crazy thing to say, but I had never had any access to like the Grateful Dead kind of hippie scene that my parents were part of and were aware of, but I'd never actually had the opportunity to go to like a proper festival with like a proper like bands and like that Grateful Dead music. And man, once I got a hold of that, it was just like, it, it, it changed my whole outlook and of what fun could be and what music could be, you know, and it kind of started the kernel in my, my brain of like sitting there watching that being like, man, it'd be fun to be up there on stage, you know, right. so, like, um, kind of that. And then like seeing bands in Columbia too, like zap and uh, ZAP with junior and all of them and real foot play and stuff and throw these rich, like bitching parties, you know, and be like, man, it'd be fun to, fun to play fun to jam up there. Yeah. But, um, it just all kind of happened, but, um, yeah, so went to Mizzou. I was a super senior. I got a degree in uh, plant science, and uh, so I went to school for landscape design, which is uh, I run a landscaping business now. So I actually ended up using what I went to school for, which is a rarity these days. Yeah. Took me a long time to get there, but um, so yeah, did that, um, and I won a design contest at Mizzou. So um, my landscape design is the design out in front of the ag building. Oh, um, nice. So, um, yeah, I won. It was like the first time in 50 years they'd had a landscape design contest for it, and I ended up winning it. So my little piece of rock right there, oh, yeah. you know, at Mizzou campus. But um, 
but yeah, it was a, it was, it was wonderful too. It was a beautiful spot, but, um, to, to get a, a agriculture education, there's a lot of money in the ag school. Um, and so the education is really a high quality. And then, uh, the campus itself is a registered botanical garden. And so all the plants are labeled. And so if you really want to learn plant identification, it's a breeze to go out there with your professor and walk around. And then you can walk back by that plant, see what it looks like in the winter, see what it looks like in the fall, you know? So yeah, it was a really, I really, really enjoyed my time at Mizzou and I really enjoyed the quality of the education I received there. I didn't real I was an art kid when I went to school. I was in an art program for a year and realized I didn't really want to do that. And I was like, well, I want to draw with plants. And so oh, yeah. I, I thought they would, they would, you know, landscape design. I was like, wow, whatever. Like, you know, finger on the book, you know, like the Commodore is picking up a band name. And um, so they put me in the ag school and that was the first time because my, high school education was such a small school. The science and math education was not the best. And, um, that was the first time I'd ever got a hold of a proper science teacher and realized I was like really into science and got hooked on science. So yeah, that was, that was the whole journey. In and yeah, man. yeah, man. But I do miss the, the barbecue in Missouri like you <laughs> with that, that, that truck stop in, in Tennessee. Yeah. My mom used to live in Vichy for a while after my dad passed away. She had a house out in Vichy, which is this tiny little town on 63 between Rolla and Jeff City. And uh, they had, I think it was Vienna right up north of there. They had just a G&W Foods grocery store that in the back of it just had some counter that had like the best brisket and pulled pork you could have just on mm -hmm. little styrofoam trays packed like it was corn at the produce section. And you could go up there and just get a mess of good barbecue at this like seemingly innocuous like grocery store, you know, you're like incredible, incredible stuff. But uh yeah. But yeah, Missouri, I, I, uh, I don't miss the, how hot the summers get with the humidity, how cold the winters get with the humidity, but I miss when I go back there, how green it is. And I miss all the, the noises of the insects. I mean, yeah. So bad. Yeah. yeah, man. I, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all I know. I mean, I've, I've lived uh, here all my life. So, um, but I often, uh, I mean, I don't know that i it move for for long i mean i might it'd be fun to visit and travel and and uh maybe try something different for a while but i do i do really like it here a lot like it's you know it's home obviously but uh i you know it's it's kind of what's nice is we got a little bit of everything you know you get your we don't have the the ocean but we have a lot of uh really nice lakes and everything else and you got your mountain you know not not mountains necessarily but big rocks for sure so well, the Ozark Mountains are—they're barely mountains. They're yeah, just so they're just so old. You know, I always describe them as a like a, a the tooth of an old hound that's been chewing on rocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, so, but yeah, it is it is beautiful there, and there's a lot of biodiversity. I was just yeah. having a talk with somebody. We were at a friend's house at a um, it was their birthday party, and they live um, I think kind of close to Dogtown is where we were, but um we were over there and I was talking to another guy and he had some fact that from some Missouri conservation department fact or something that I think it was like in a one square mile area of water or, or like a three foot square area of water, some small area of water square. There was like more biodiversity there than any other freshwater place. You know, it was oh, wow. like all these facts like that, you know, that come, or I think we also have the most aquatic biodiversity outside of Florida in the United States. 
just because of like and where I'm from, you know, spring fed rivers and little small mountains and Oak Harbor forest, but you get up to the North and there's prairie mm-hmm. and like, there's so many different biomes in Missouri and there's so much going on. And, and you come back there from Denver and you're like, Whoa, like, was it this loud before you? It was like, there's so much life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, man. beautiful. It's truly beautiful to see all that green. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you said, uh, something also, um, about, uh, before we hit record about like, uh, kind of, uh, renting a house in the woods and just, uh, you know, plugging in and recording a, and stuff and like Airbnb thing. And, um, is that like, uh, I hear stories of like, um, you know, Foo Fighters did that. Like, got, got, like they rented uh, some house that was like, I think it was like the, wasn't like, uh, or maybe it was Nirvana or that did like the, the Manson house. I think it was the Chili Peppers, right? Or yeah. I don't know if it's a Manson house. I know Chili Peppers did a uh, blood sugar, uh, blood, what is blood sugar sex magic, I think, in a, uh, I think they did that in a mansion that they had rented and they were doing all this weird yeah. shit. And all those bands used to do that, you know? Well, I think Cat- I, I'm pretty sure I was, uh, I heard Dave Grohl saying something like that, like Nirvana recorded some something in like the Manson family house and stuff or something like that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, uh, I don't know. Is that like something, uh, do you, do you get in, do you let, uh, you know, speaking of like the, uh, nature and everything, like, do you let your surroundings kind of, uh, do they influence you like that? Do you, could you go out into the woods and make a completely different record than if you were like in a, a Manson house, do you think it would all have an impact on what you recorded? I think, I think it would, because when I first started to play and first started to write songs, I would go out to the woods with my guitar. You know, I would go out to um, uh, Moss Creek. I forget what the little park was behind Moss Creek, but kind of like a Cape and Park area of, of Mizzou. And I would go out there and play or play on my back porch a lot. And it's something I live in a busier neighborhood in Denver and I have a back porch, but it's like, if I go out there, we're kind of on a hill. We're seeing into everybody's backyard around us. We're here in the highway over here as jets going over. It's not the same effect you're more like you're at the top of this neighborhood and you're very visible as opposed to like just being out there in nature by yourself and like recording but yeah something about sitting in green grass with your legs crossing a guitar you will mm-hmm. you, it, it's just so peaceful you know but i was yeah and the um the houses for me is like i wanted to go to the mountains because we had some friends and they airbnb this house outside of breckenridge that is it's a big mansion um and they have a just a big wonderful party up there every year they airbnb this thing they have a good relationship with the people that own it and um like 12 of us go up there and rent this thing but inside of it is like a two and a half story tall atrium with a rock wall on one side in the living room and it's just huge and it almost has like this like choir performance hall effect that I was playing. I have a really nice Martin. My dad left me and um, I was playing that in there. It just sounded freaking incredible. And so I was like, man, the acoustics in here. And I've been for a long time wanting to record kind of a folk rock album that is just kind of me and a guitar, a bunch of harmonies, you know, kind of like a, a Crosby Steels type of thing, but with like a little less going on. And I've been wanting to record that and I kind of got like a, you know, a concept for it. It'd be, I think I would call it a tent preacher would be what the album would be called. And I got like what I would do in front of the cover, find some old 
house in this neighborhood and there's this guy in my neighborhood that has like this really sweet old Cadillac that's all white with the diplomatic flags on the front. And I would go out there and like get all dressed up, be leaning up against it in front of this like old creepy building with like a guitar. Like I got all that part planned. I just don't have the songs. And so, (laughs) so I, I've been wanting to for a long time um, because this new uh, audio hardware that I've been working with it. um, I have it in a road case, like a nice SKB road case and it's all rack mounted. So I would just take a mic, take the hardware, set up a couple GoPros, you know, go up there and try to get like a little mini documentary to of the writing process, you know, because I'm obsessed with 60s and 70s musicians. I watch a lot of old rock documentaries and like I really, especially the one that comes to mind that I really enjoy is um, the making of Dark Side of the Moon where they're at Abbey Road Studios and they have David Gilmore playing the solo and and it's like going around the studio and it's like this is the making of you know the stones have a lot of stuff where they're making sympathy for the devil and they yeah. got that going on and so that stuff always fascinates me as a watcher and so you know you always try to emulate the things you like and um yeah i think it would be really good and it's really hard for me even with my wife in the house you know it's hard for me to if she's here i don't fluidly write lyrics as much just freestyling as I would if I was just by myself. Cause like a little part of your brain is like, Oh, you can't sound that crazy. I think you're crazy. You know? so, so it's nice to kind of be out there by yourself and just start throwing noodles at the wall and no one has to hear it. You know, right. like it's like it, 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 it's liberating and it um, really allows you, like I always say, you know, a lot of my songwriting technique is just, I'll start playing something and I'll just start spitballing words that sound cool together. You know, it's like, it's like a Dr. John approach. It's not like, it's like, we're not saying anything. We're just like, these words sound great. You know, yeah. my shark skin look better than your Levi skin, you know, <laughs> but like, so, um, so that's like, I think it, it would help kind of invigorate and like really fit my, my writing process to just go up there, be there for one reason, have all this beautiful nature around you, this beautiful sounding space. Cause I'm like kind of an audiophile. So like this, everything sounding and they have this beautiful guitar that you could just like play G on all day. Cause it sounds so nice and just put it on record and just see what happens. And just, yeah. if I record one track, even if I just get the framework, for all the tracks and to come back and record the parts, even if I just record scratches or if I just focus on one thing, but whatever it would be and then document it, I think that would be not only a cool experiment, but kind of a marketable thing as a musician. And um, it would help me achieve this like a kind of solo album thing that um, would have some songs that necessarily wouldn't fit the band. Like I wrote a country song last year that's like a real like uh, drum rolling country song. But it's like we can't obviously play that with our band. It's not really like the right the right spot for it. But it's a really good song. It's called "Country Boy in the City on the Run," and um, yeah, it's it's a really good song. But there's not really a place for it, and that's another reason coming back to the band change thing was I realized I wanted to start releasing music as Justice Lacewell and releasing like folk rock music kind of thing every once in a while and have the ability to release a single, and I wouldn't want to release a single myself that we couldn't promote with the band and every release is a different version with the band because the two projects are different. I wanted to all be tying back into the same thing. So, um, but yeah, I, I, that's a been kind of a pipe dream I've had for a while. And, um, yeah. So if, if I could make that happen, that would be, 
really, really cool. It'd be a really cool thing, but yeah, it'd be a big goal of mine to try to work that out. And I think it'd be great content as well. Yeah, man. Well, let's do it. Yeah. That sounds cool to me. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, man, I, uh, hopefully we can make that happen. I, uh, yeah, I'll let you uh, know, man. I'll, I'll send you some tracks or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm like, you're saying like the, the behind the scenes, I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, that's really the gist of this show really like, you know, getting to talk about some of this stuff that we don't always get to talk about, you know, it's like, it's just kind of fun to, to nerd, nerd out a little bit on behind the scenes of what's going on. I, I really like diving into, right. Uh, you know, lyrics and stuff like that. And, you know, just kind of, uh, that's where my, my brain goes. I'm a big fan of storytelling and songwriting. So, um, right. You know, it's just, uh, but yeah, it's just fun. It's, and it's be great to document that, like I said, in, uh, in some video and everything yeah. else process. Visually seeing what's happening in the studio while they're recording these songs that you've only heard through your ears yeah. and then you get to see what that person looked like mm-hmm. while they were doing that. You know, it's like the, uh, the Steely Dan dudes have a really great behind the album on Asia. And, um, I guess they, they brought in a whole different band every track. And so, and they had Michael McDonald singing backups and they were like, it was like a Walter there with the the slider being like, sorry, Michael. And he's just like making him sing the backup on peg the whole time, you know, yeah. but it's just Michael isolated. But the big story they have from that is they, they brought Bernard Purdy in to play drums and uh, they, they were sitting there laughing at the console because they said Bernard Purdy showed up, he sets his drum set up and he sets up two signs on either side of the drum set. And on this side, it says, you done did it. And on this side, it says, you hired Bernard Purdy, the hit maker <laughs> played the whole session with these two signs and then he packed it all up and went, you know, but it's like, you never get that listening to it, but it's like just right. having that knowledge that that was what went on. It just makes it so much more hilarious and makes Bernard Purdy that much more hilarious and just makes the whole, it just fleshes out this whole like kind of mythos of the album. That's yeah. really, you don't get just audibly. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, those are, those are fun stories. I, I know there's a, uh you hear it on the recording, but I, I love hearing those like, uh, things like that too. Like, uh, and, uh, was it, uh, in sweet emotion when it, they have that, um, uh, what's, uh, blank on the name of the instrument. Now the, uh, what's it, uh, I can't think of what the hell it's called where they, it's like that percussion instrument where they, it slaps, uh, survivor slap. Oh, right? vibra slap yeah. yeah, there it is. Hey, I am a, just a sucker for a vibra slap. That's yeah. like, I was a kid. I was like, dude, that sounds cool. Well, I guess like in that recording, uh, like it breaks and you can hear it like tink, tink yep. and like, uh, hitting the ground and stuff. So I think that's fun to hear those little rock and roll stories like that. Like, you know, it's like, uh, obviously they left it in the recording and, mm-hmm. um, and then another one I think is fun is uh, I think like uh, and again it would be fun to see the the video of it all happening to go with the audio. But uh, like uh, the police, I think uh, in uh, in Roxanne, I think it is when uh, when uh, Sting's laughing. Uh, there's like the keys and he laughs. Uh, he like actually accidentally sat on the the piano and like they left it all in the in the recording and stuff too. And um just happened oh, to be in the right key and they were like yeah Bruh. right just yeah just like his random like you know keys uh notes and like and he just starts laughing about it and like they left it all in the in the take and stuff so um i don't know that stuff that is always like you know cool it's to like me. when we were 
kids and we got the bonus features of the DVD. Oh yeah. 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 It's the same stuff. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, or reading liner notes or any of that stuff, you know, it's just like, I love, uh, you know, geeking out on all that stuff. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Man. Liner notes. I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah. Man. I, uh, it's, uh, it's one of my, you know, I, that was, I spent a lot of time as a kid doing that. Like you get a record that, you know, that you really love and you sit there and you just studied it. Like you said, you know, you know, all those names of those guys, like, you know, I, I feel like most people only know the voice maybe, or whatever, you know, like the, who's the one singing the song, who's the names on the, yeah. on yeah. the CD or whatever. But, uh, but you know, it's like, that's one of the things you learned as uh, if you're reading all that stuff, you learned all the players and stuff. And, and you start realizing like, Oh, these guys are all, played on this you know a bunch of different records and stuff right yeah it's like the leon russell uh, self-titled album has like he had been a backing musician for so many people in hollywood that they all came and played and it's got like george harrison on it it's got all these people on it you know and yeah. uh, just a star-studded cast you know you don't realize it or the buddy guy album uh damn right i got the blues um it has jeff beck and clapton playing on it you know just as members of the band on certain tracks but once you know that you're like you can hear the solo and be like oh that's definitely jeff beck that's yeah. like, the only person that plays like that is like his tone and everything yeah it's really cool bring it all together yeah the liner notes i always liked it when he had the lyrics in them too which made for a big liner book but like yeah. you could like flip i think one of the sublime albums it was like the self-titled or something that had the lyrics printed and you could like flip through it and like read what they were saying and it's you can like it's so easy not to get them wrong or like misconstrue what they're saying, you know, like it's like nobody's out here like yelling about like that, uh, Stevie Miller band, a uh, big old jet airliner. And somebody thinks it's like big old cat has a light on or something, you know, <laughs> at the bar arguing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't think of what the, uh, particular instance was, but that just came up a little bit ago, uh, in the car. Uh, something some came on the radio again i wish i could think of the song but stacy started singing along and she, whatever she said and i was like what what did you just yeah. say and excuse me <laughs> and then she's like yeah i said you know it's this and i was like no no uh so uh it made me laugh just like you know people do those those misheard lyrics are a very real thing Oh, I, remember, I remember being a little boy and singing that John Prine song, uh, You Ain't Going Nowhere, and uh, just belting out top of my lungs the half an inch of water as half an enchilada. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing when I was a kid. <laughs> it's like, the song's speaking to me, bro. I love yeah. enchiladas. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I do that a lot. Like, I'll, I'll you know, just kind of make my own parody versions of songs and stuff. And I'm like, and, um, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's part of it. Like maybe there, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it almost works too good to like not be part of the thought process. You know, it's like mm -hmm. when, you know, something like that, like uh, maybe he said enchilada and then he's like, uh, no, I can't put enchilada in a song. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. <laughs> you know, like when you're saying like you, you, how you write, like just putting some words that sound cool in there and then figuring it out what, yeah. you know, maybe he was like, uh, let's just figure out what works also that sounds kind of like that. And, yeah, it's like it's got the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's uh, it's just fun though. So, so that's this uh, music's cool, man. I I, I dig it. <laughs> so. Yeah, it really is. It's constantly evolving, but um, it's it's all the same. And, and yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, it it, it it's just a, makes people feel things, which is which is cool, and it makes people think, which is cool, you know. Yeah, it's man. A literary format like that. Well, I got a couple of uh, questions I've been asking and uh, 
All right. I've been having fun with these and get your uh, take on some of this stuff. And um, but uh, one I I get a kick out of is uh, if you, know, you uh, the day comes along, we get a uh, a Justice Lacewell or a Justice in the Limits uh, action figures. What what would you like to see as your like three accessories to go with your action figure? Oh, with my action figure, ooh, oh man. I think top of the list, number one, would be a spilled beer yeah. because it would be like a glass that was like had the puddle flat so you could lay it down flat on the ground. That right. Yeah. So a spilled beer on the stage. Um, let's see here. Oh, man. Um, Wow, they put me on the spot here, Shade. Um, it would be a um, a free merch T-shirt that I was giving away. There you go. I, I just can't seem to ever sell merch. I just like, I'm like everything's a billboard. I'm just giving this away. And so, yeah, uh, uh, a comped merch T-shirt. A and then uh, the the artist um, drink tickets that they give you. Oh, yeah. That, look like the old raffle tickets from the fair. All right. Those would be my three items. Yeah, three accessories. Nice. Yeah. Or, or um, for an option, I've been kind of geeking out recently and bought a pair of shoes that I only wear on stage that I keep in a box otherwise. So that could be the vanity uh, accessory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I like that uh, it was uh, a little more uh, creative. And then um, I get a lot of, you know, just a microphone and guitar. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's you know, that's pretty standard. <laughs> that's standard equipment yeah. for the figure. We're talking that we're talking that that Ninja Turtle that you put the strip through the back to make it talk. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah man. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. I think you know we we grew up on that era. Like you know, of course, like I don't. I, it's still a th- a thing, but yeah. definitely the Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and you know all that stuff. We everybody had uh, collecting those as kids. And yeah. my house plants are still full of army men. Yeah. Oh yeah. Around because it's just funny. <laughs> Yeah, for it's sure. A whole scene in there, a little microchasm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What about um? You know, we mentioned uh, a whole lot of you know names and uh, earlier, but is there a a dream duet or collaboration you would love to to see for yourself or or for the band? Hmm. Man. I don't know. I've been really respecting uh, Stephen Stills as a songwriter, and I would love to do a duet with Stephen Stills because um, I recently, through uh, Spotify's wonderful feature where they just start throwing albums at you after you're done with the album, um, I stumbled onto his second Manassas, this group he had called Manassas um, album, and it has um, a song um, so many times. The album's called Down the Road, but it has a song so many times, and it's just such a gorgeous song it's just unbelievably it's like one of those songs that like every once in a while you hear a song and you just keep keep running it back and keep running it back and you just can't stop listening to it. you don't know oh, what yeah. you're like my god the combination but i really like the way that he writes music and i like the way he sings and so yeah steven stills as a duet that would be incredible um let's see as a band Oh man. 
it'd be cool to do something like if all these bands still existed, it would be really cool to see the guys in our band mesh with players like the Led Zeppelin dudes. Yeah. Because one thing I really like about our sound is sometimes it gets into a more hard rock area, kind of the sound that Zeppelin kind of pioneered. And we're obviously just, you know, copying feels in our brains that were put there from albums we listened to a thousand times before. And, um, but it'd be really cool to have like that or like humble pie, like post Frampton, um, like the smoking era of humble, humble pie to like have a collaboration with that band, you know, it'd be like playing with faces, you know, it's, it's not quite the stones or anything, but that would be just a wonderful, uh, it would be so cool just to rock so hard, you know, yeah. so hard with that. It'd be kind of like, um, I also found this amazing song, uh, the other day by Robin Trower called two rolling stoned. And he was like, I think he was kind of uh, feted as like the white Hendrix at, for a long time in, in um, those circles in the seventies. But if you guys haven't checked that out two Rolling Stone, really incredible song by Robin Trower, but um, it just has that delicious, like seventies kind of like hard rock stripped down feel, you know, and, and um, yeah, that'd be, be an incredible, incredible way to um, collaborate there. Yeah. Yeah. That all sounds cool, man. The Eagles too. I love, I, most people laugh. I love the freaking Eagles, man. Yeah. You know, I, I was just learning how to play take it to the limit the other day. And it's just like that song, especially, but the Eagles were so good at playing all these country waltzes from the earlier days that like you hit every chord in the scale walking around that song, you know, you're like hitting yeah. them all. It's like so many chords, but um, yeah, I watched that documentary, the history of the Eagles. I was a big Eagles hater, man. Big hater. I was like this, Top 40 dead rock, blah, blah, you know, and I watched that documentary, the history of the Eagles part one, and I just kept watching it. You know, it was like the first time I ever read life by Keith Richards. And, um, I just kept reading it, kept watching it. And then after that huge Eagles fan now. And so, um, I really feel like the Eagles and the Rolling Stones really influenced a lot of the, um, kind of the classic rock songs I write. I have, I have some classic rock songs that are heavy. I have some classic rock songs that are more, of that kind of stonesy Eagles variety in that way. And um, yeah, I really could feel the influence there, but um, that would be an amazing collaboration with just being able to harmonize with those dudes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd, uh, man, I worked with this guy uh, for a summer and uh, that's like all he listened to was the Eagles, like greatest hits on repeat for, uh-huh. for the whole summer. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm all, I love the Eagles too, but I'm like, there's a point where I like just snap and I'm like, I can't take it anymore, man. Like put something else out, bro. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you just ruin these great songs for me. And it's like that. I'm, I don't, uh, so it took me a, quite a while to listen to the Eagles again yeah. after that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with you. I mean, I, I people, uh, do kind of rip on them a lot, but it's, um, but I, there's, those are great songs, man. They're, you can't help it, but yeah. Our very first bass player in college, Dave Barbaro, he was like 45 or something. And I remember being like 20 and this dude's talking and he's like, man, you know, who's really good, man. The Eagles, bro. Yeah. Like, get out of here. And, um, and he's like, yeah, but you never really listen. You never really understand how many hit songs in your head they wrote. Oh, yeah. That you don't even realize are the Eagles. You're just mm-hmm. like, 
but you like really did like had so many hits it's like the first boston album there's like i think all the songs but one on that first boston album were singles like they were just that good tom schultz was that good yeah but um but yeah the uh songs can get wore out you know that's a an issue with me working by myself you know i don't listen to as much music when i work anymore it's mostly podcasts and audiobooks yeah so um, I listen to a lot of Behind the Bastards. Um, I listen to a lot of uh, Clive Cussler audiobooks. They're kind of like a really cheesy underwater James Bond archaeology Indiana Jones character, always saving the world, blah blah blah. But it's fun. You like put it on. You you know you're out there pulling weeds. You put it on autopilot. And um, but the first year of my business was me like burning my Spotify library down to a little crisp and getting tired of it. Mm. And then um, you know and looking for other stuff to listen to, which is nice that Spotify. In general, it's not, I'm not trying to hark for them because they don't pay for crap, but the, um, they put out that, that, um, they, they, they put a prediction, almost like a Pandora type of thing at the end of the album you listen to. And right. you discover a lot of really good music from that. And, uh, I've discovered a real good, another, another track I've been bumping really hard is, uh, what you see is what you get by the dramatics. That track is yeah. oof, real yeah. good. Yeah. It's like a real classic funky, like seventies funk, just grimy beat, you know, and has a lot of cool backup vocals and yeah, really cool stuff. Yeah. You, uh, do you know, uh, Sean Cannon? Uh, not personally, but I know who he is. Yeah. The booty yeah. players and yeah. he, he the swag for a while. Right. Yeah. 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 He, uh, uh, so here he does the voodoo players and, uh, he, every Wednesday it's like at Oyster Bar was like a, you know, the, he just did Zeppelin. He did Tom Petty last night. Um, he's done, you know, Bob Dylan, Bob Marley, Stones, whatever. I mean, every all the greats and stuff. But <laughs> that's a um I worked with him for like five years at the at the bar down there. And so I got to see the show every Wednesday night. And and that was kind of you talking about like you forget what the how many hits the Eagles had. Like that's what's fun about those nights for me was like when he, you know, I'm not like a huge uh Paul Simon fan. I know the, you know, the hits, but it's like, then he starts playing Graceland. And so I'm like, Oh no, I know, I know these songs, you know, it's like, um, uh, and then, uh, same thing with, uh, with Petty, you know, I mean, of course you think, uh, free falling and you know, there's whatever, but then he like, he's first song I ever played on the guitar. Yeah. 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 And then he goes like three hours and you're like, Man, I know every one of these songs. Like they're all like burning yeah. your brain. Well, Petty is interesting for me because I was kind of a hater on him like I was kind of on the Eagles. But the more I age and the more I actually start listening to Petty, I'm like, well, this is – it has an 80s package, but it's good quality rock and roll. Yeah. Great songwriting and great hooks. Yeah. Really oh, incredible. yeah. 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 It's uh, – man, what's – um. Uh, um, now that I'm thinking about, but you talking about like you burnt do you got like got that one song and you just like listen to it on repeat over and over and like, uh, and uh, I did that a little while back with a petty song, um, uh, time, time to move on. I'm not familiar. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and I don't know. It just, uh, I think that's the title of the song. Something, uh, I'm blinking on it right now i always that's what i do i go to think i go to think of a reference and that's when i I'll, my mind will just go blank but oh yeah i gotta listen to a song at least like yeah. before i even hear the words yeah. i'm so obsessed with how the voice sounds as a melody instrument that i like i can hum it but i don't know any of the words they're always making fun of me in the band that i'm so bad with words of songs i didn't write you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, but, uh, that was one of petty's was that one pretty recently one i was just like there was one day i just like listened to it on a loop for you know, for a while and just like, yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, no, it's fun when those songs find you, man, when they just kind of, you know, this has been out for 30, 40 years or whatever, you know, and all of a sudden, like, you just discover it. And uh, it's it's a cool feeling, man. Yeah. Yeah, it truly is. Well, and it, yeah, it goes back to like, you know, if there's a video there to record it, what do they look like? They would like, you yeah. hear it, it sounds so modern in your ears. It sounds like a guitar, but it's like, you don't realize they're all wearing polyester, like cardigan. Yeah giant lapels you know and like all this stuff and just smoking the hell out of cigarettes in the studio oh, yeah. and like all this yeah it's just like this whole it transcends the era almost with the the high quality audio i was just watching the uh hard day's night that my father-in-law was showing me um hard day's night the beatles movie um back in the day and these guys are just little kids but like the songs they're writing is like they released on that so good you know such yeah. good even if it's the cheesy like pre like mind awakening psychedelic Beatles, the songs are still amazing. You know, and you're like, wow, dude! And to, to write these at like 20, or, you know, yeah. or, oh yeah, blowing my mind. You know, it's like Steve Winwood singing um, "Give Me Some Lovin'" when he's like 18. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah, that his voice is like, you know, huge on that, and like and all those recordings. And I'm like, it's weird to think that he's. Yeah, like, you know, little kids still. <laughs> the box top dudes with the 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 letter that the, that guy was like really young singing that. You know, the Alex, what's his name? The singer was he went on. They were from Memphis. He went on to be in a band called Big Star, I believe. I watched some whole documentary about him, and it was really funny because it was like when uh, TGI Fridays came into Memphis. And like that was their hangout spot. It was like the seventies. Like, hey, let's go to TGI Fridays and kick it. You know. <laughs> I was like, it was the most, in the modern world, it's like the most unrock and roll thing you can yeah. do. Yeah, we were hanging out at TGI Fridays. <laughs> but yeah, those dudes were so young singing those. And you're like, and like, yeah, Winwood sounds like an old, like an old man, you know, yeah. singing that old beyond his years. I think it's funny that we started with box tops and we, and we're, you know, come full yeah, circle. Yeah, yeah. Watch out. Rick Levy's going to be sending me another email. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely yeah well man it's been an incredible day i'm really uh yeah, we've had a great talk man it's been yeah a, thanks for having me on here rock paper podcast oh yeah yep uh but yeah get plugged in justice and the limits on all your uh digital platforms all wherever you get your music at yep. you can um j-u-s-t-u-s yeah yep and uh hopefully man like i said uh, hopefully we'll get you on the road here uh starting off the new year and um hopefully coming to st louis so we can hang out and catch up in person and that'd be fun yeah hobnob and hee-haw you know yeah <laughs> uh but yeah. uh i appreciate you buddy man it's been a, a great day and thanks for doing yeah. this appreciate you too man it's been it's been great and thanks for having me on rock paper once again man i'll have to bump that shirt proudly yeah yeah, yeah. Man. i got i got a little shaney shirt for you when you get when you come to oh, town there we go there yeah. we go I want that one of you in the little Debbie outfit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a little... <laughs> yeah, man. It's a hot item. Dude, that's going to be on eBay in 65 years. It's like oh, yeah. a gold platinum seller right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks, Justice. And uh, I'll see you soon, my friend. I do. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>